Hi there. My name is Preston Puto. Welcome to the Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. This is where we share some of our messages from Sunday mornings. So we're glad you're here to listen. We'd love for you to join us in person. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. At our core, we're a community of people. So we gather on Sundays, but we also do a lot in the week together. We are people learning to follow Jesus and love our city. So to learn more, visit lakeridgecommunity.com. Hope to check in and visit with you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. to be here today and uh, I just love local churches uh, I think I just broke it sorry friends I it's a gift <laughs> I think we'll just uh Really, I'm not a destructive kind of guy. I, uh, <laughs> I'm a nine on the Enneagram. I'm a peacemaker, so usually I don't break stuff. I, uh, I like putting stuff together. But as I was saying, local churches are, um, they're all unique. And um, Small local churches are particularly blessed of God. Like somebody said, uh, God must really love small churches because uh, he made so many of them. Uh, but thank you. It's a nice, nice to see this group today. I mentioned to someone earlier that I have had the opportunity to be here a couple of times uh, in less official capacity, just as a guest uh, to worship with you. And I, I'm so happy to be back uh, with you today. Uh, Preston had called me some, or sent me a note some weeks ago and invited me to come. I was happy to come. Um, then in between, my brother passed away, and uh, I was in Kamloops yesterday for a funeral. And so driving home last night in the fog, I felt I should have probably parked out here in the parking lot and uh, slept in the car all night because would have been about the same amount of sleep as I got in my bed. But I'm just very thankful to be here. Um, thankful to be anywhere at my age, but uh, I'm grateful to be here um, with you, sing the praises of God, to uh, have a sense that you're here to meet with God. And God, the good news is God is more anxious to meet with you than you are to meet with him. And he's... Uh, he was here waiting for you. We sometimes get the idea that uh, we somehow bring the presence of God with us, but the fact of the matter is he's everywhere, all the, way, all the time, all the time, everywhere. And he was just waiting for you to come to him. My wife isn't able to be with us today. She uh, she needs her sleep a little more than I did, I guess. But uh, greetings from her. We've lived in Rosebud since uh, 2006. Those of you that are uh, steeped in the evangelical traditions, you'll appreciate this. Uh, 
One of the uh, women in the church reminds me often that I arrived on the 6th of June in 06. So here are the numbers, 06, 06, 06. But we've had an enjoyable time in, uh, in Rosebud. I retired as the pastor of Rosebud Church, uh, which is a sister congregation to Lake Ridge Church. Um, I resigned and retired last uh, end of August. And as I was mentioning to someone at the break here, um, I haven't enjoyed retirement much yet. I, it's, uh, I haven't found one of the life-giving rhythm uh, I love the fact that I don't have to do something every day. The first uh, few weeks was really weird. My wife kept on saying, like, shouldn't you be somewhere? <laughs> don't you have something to do? Nope. <laughs> uh, she doesn't ask quite so often anymore, but uh, it just, it's really different uh, trying to get uh, used to uh, this season of life. Um, to top it all off, my computer crashed on me the other day when I was uh, preparing for this uh, service, and so I have got handwritten notes, and it could be interesting. But I want to talk to us today, and I think uh, from what I've heard, what I heard in the prayer circle before the service, and from what I heard in our uh, worship time, and what I've experienced here, I think... Uh, this is really timely for us to be together, to look at Romans 5. Romans 5, you should know, for me, is one of my, f it contains my favorite verse in all of the Bible. Uh, I grew up in what is known as a holiness church. Um, we were, uh, theologically, we were Armenian which meant you could never quite be sure if you were in and out, in or out, whether you were accepted or loved of God or if you happened to be in a moment when you uh, weren't doing so well. And there was this constant um, tension, this constant sense that you weren't doing enough if you did just a little bit better, you would be, God would love you more. And then we had uh, a little church I was pastoring. Uh, we had a woman evangelist come by one day and she preached from the book of Romans chapter five, verse 17. And there's a little phrase in Romans five seventeen that says, talks about the gift of righteousness. And it just changed, changed my perspective. I have not been the same person ever since. I kept on wanting to prove my righteousness. I wanted to act more righteously. And I think that's always a good idea to be, to act better. We can all act better on occasion, most times. But how I act had nothing to do with God's acceptance in my position before him. And to just, for that just to be dropped into my soul, the gift of righteousness, changed my life. 
changed my life. And I'm so thankful today to be able to come. Today's uh, gospel reading, uh, Preston said that I was free to talk about whatever. Uh, and I said, well, I've, I've got some real good sermons from the Song of Songs. So how would I want to do that? He says, oh, that'd be fun. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but the, the lectionary reading for today, the, the epistle reading for this day in the church calendar is Romans 5. And it was read for us today. And I'm so thankful to have heard it again. And I want to share a little... T- this little, uh, these few words about something to be excited about. Something to be excited about. Romans 5 starts off like this. Therefore, you've probably heard this a hundred, maybe a thousand times, but whenever in the Bible it says therefore, you need to look to see what it's there for. Therefore, in Romans 5, 1, simply means Paul saying, because of all the stuff I've said in chapters 1 through 4, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, therefore, because of all the heavy lifting that Jesus has done, Paul has explained in Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, because of that, we have this wonderful position, this wonderful standing before God. Some time ago, I was in a meeting and they, uh, they were getting ready for communion and the person said something like this, uh, come to the table because God's not mad at you anymore. And I'm thinking, where do you get talk like that from? Where do you get understandings like that? God was somehow mad at us or mad at humanity. My Bible says God loved the world so much that he sent his son. Everybody knows John 3.16, but do you know what John 3.17 says? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be Saved, changed, reconciled. It's, in the heart, it's been in the heart of God all along to, to do this good work, to bring us to himself. The problem wasn't with God. The problem was with us. And Jesus made it possible for us to remove all the barriers between us and our wonderful God. So therefore, therefore, We have peace with God. Martin Luther said, because of what Jesus did, there are no longer any obstacles in our relationship with God. The Bible, as you know, is a literary form, has various different kinds of uh, structures and it's put together, I mean, there's books of history, there's books of poetry, there are books that uh, are very didactic in their teaching, it's just, you know, point by point. Um, so you have to interpret them differently, you have to read them differently. Um, this passage of scripture, Romans chapter 5, we have some clues uh, to its structure, to its meaning, in the way it is uh, it's put together. And let me just highlight for us a couple of things. When you're reading in the, in the uh, Bible and the, you got a passage or a, a paragraph or two, there's keys to w- what's significant. I read this thing this week that said, uh, after you've uh, read the dictionary, everything else is just a remix. 
guess that's true. Um, when you you read a, a paragraph, it's just it's a bunch of words. But if certain words keep showing up, it must mean that there's something significant about those words. And I don't know if you picked it up in this reading today, but there's a little phrase in there that occurs three times in these 11 verses. And this is the, this is the phrase from the New American Standard Version. And, and uh, I'm a New Living Translation kind of guy, but when I'm studying a text, I like to go to, the, to a literal translation. And the New American Standard for me is just still, I'm a uh, product of the 70s, 1970s that is. And New American Standard was the Bible of, for us evangelicals in the 1970s. And so I go back to the, the New American Standard. And in the New American Standard version, it says these things. Having been justified by faith, we exult. And that verse, if you notice, it shows up in verse 2. It shows up in verse 3. It shows up again in verse 11. We exult in, first of all, he says, we exult in hope of glory. Chapter in verse 3 says, we exult in our tribulations. I really don't want to preach that part very much. Uh, not very hard this morning. And thirdly, says, we exult in God. The word exult some translations use the word rejoice. Other translations use the word boast. Um, whatever translation you're, is your favorite, um, I hope you read it lots. But uh, this, this word exalt or rejoice or boast is one of the strongest words in the Greek language for joy. This is it's not just mild joy. This is joy on steroids. This is joy that's unhooked. This is joy that is just uh, beyond description. This is triumphant, confident, boasting, bursting, rejoicing. Uh, we're not talking here about uh, a mild joy. We're talking about extreme joy. Paul says we exalt, we have, we exalt or we rejoice in the glory the hope of the glory of God. Uh, yesterday, um, at the funeral, at the service for my brother, um, had a chance to talk with the, the celebrant or the, the minister that was doing the service, and it's really awkward because she'd never met my, my brother. Uh, my brother went to church for weddings and funerals. Um, but he grew up in a home where uh, he knew what it was to be touched by God, to respond to God, uh, to worship God. And for 60 years or so, he wandered. I wish, I wish, I wish that I had confidence that he... Um, made his, his peace with God I mean, just as a brother he's the only brother I ever had 
I, I want to look forward to spending eternity with him. He promised me one time, or he told me one time, that uh, he was going to get right with God before he was done with this life. Like I mentioned to someone earlier today, I'm, I'm going to hold him to that. He better have made right with God. But I felt uh, a little sorry for the, the uh, celebrant yesterday because she had no confidence in neither do I particularly. And my brother's family had no confidence about where he's going to spend eternity. I've been at the uh, bedside of lots of saints who are in, on the last lap of the journey. And what a difference it's been. I remember being with an old friend of my dad's and he was sick and he had a hard life, had next to nothing all his life, just enjoyed life. And he was dying in the Nanaimo hospital and I was, I happened to just be going through there and I stopped to see him. Oh, he says, the hope, brother, the hope. And he could, just like he was, he came alive, he was animated by the thrill that this life, the hardships, the struggles, the difficulties, the temptations, the ups and the downs didn't begin to compare with the, the sense that something better was awaiting. That's a wonderful thing, friends. I don't mean to offend Dionne Warwick and uh, many other people who sang uh, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. I love that song, but I think she missed it a little bit. Because I think today, friends, in the world that you and I live, what our world needs is hope. We just, we're sort of on the tail end of this pandemic and there's so much division and polarization and there's so much um, conspiracy theory stuff floating around and people are just at each other's throats and they're, uh, they're moving away from one another when the good news of the gospel is that we can come together in God. He wants us to come together. And hope is one of the things that bring, can bring us together. We rejoice. We exalt. We lose our minds over the hope of the glory of God. Paul said, because of what Jesus has done, we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. And Hope in the New Testament. Let me share. I've got a uh, Eugene Peterson quote here that I just. No, don't have a Eugene Peterson quote. I thought I did. Um, hope is such a powerful thing in our world. People who are without hope typically don't last very long. People with hope in the same circumstances, no more, uh, no more uh, stuff than other people, but if they have hope, they can be resilient, they can uh, come through stuff so much better than folks without hope. Hope in the New Testament is not wishful thinking, 
in New Testament, hope is a present certainty of something we have not yet fully experienced. A present certainty of something we have not yet fully experienced. Folks, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not just talking about pie in the sky, some sweet by and by. I'm talking about the hope that gets us out of bed every morning. That this is the day that I'm going to experience our good God at work in our world, in my life, in my world. Years ago, um, almost 20 years ago now, I uh, was in a pretty sad state of uh, depression. I can just remember the, just not wanting to get up in the morning. I had been an executive. I had uh, had all kinds of responsibility. I had uh, enjoyed the best of uh, best times of my life, but that was taken away from me, or that I resigned from a position and I just lost it all. And without hope, it was so hard to keep on going, friends. I'm so grateful to know or have the experience of without any circumstances changing, without any ship coming in, to have God's spirit work in my heart so that, again, I could have hope. Get out of bed. Didn't have anything else to do, but Getting out of bed was a good thing. Hope. Because of Jesus' work, we have real hope to share. I can't remember which one of the old uh, gospel preachers said this, but he said, we are peddlers of hope in our world. I love that imagery. If you're going to peddle something, if you're going to flog something, if you're going to put something out there that you think the world needs, let's peddle hope. Not because of our little thing that we got going, but because of what Jesus has done. That's the whole gist of, of Romans chapter 5. Because Jesus has done what he's done on the cross. We have, we exult, we rejoice, we go nuts about the hope of the glory of God. Second thing here in this passage, the second instance in, in verse 3, he talks about uh, we exalt in uh, New American Standard uh, translation, he uses the word tribulations. We exalt in our tribulations. People who enjoy pain, enjoy difficulty, not so sure about that. Uh, like a friend of mine said, his, uh, his uh, sister-in-law had enjoyed poor health all her life. I think I've known some people like that. They, uh, they play it, they use it, it's their trump card whenever things, they, Pull that one out. 
nobody's had it as bad as me, so play that card. But I don't think Paul in this passage is saying that he enjoyed tribulation. He said he could see the benefit of tribulation. Um, and friends, the word tribulation in this passage means pressure. Anybody have any pressure in your life? Sure. We've got relational pressures. We have financial pressures. We have health pressures. Uh, we have pressures in our communities when you've got a neighbor that doesn't want to go along with the rest of folks. Uh, we have pressures in the church when uh, things there's disagreements, when things aren't going so great. Uh, we all know about pressures. We all have pressures in different parts of our lives or maybe in various parts of our lives. We've got pressures. And Paul says these pressures... And I, uh, I don't know that I understand this completely, but hear this, uh, hear what he goes on about. When we run, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us, to, they help us learn to endure. And he goes on to say, and endurance develops strength of character in us. And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. And this expectation will not disappoint us, for we know how dearly God loves us. If my wife was here, she could testify about how I'm, uh, I hate pain. I run from pain. I get a hangnail and I think, uh, you know, order up flowers. Uh, you know, I get a little cold or get the flu. <laughs> I'm out of here. Just, I'm not good at pain. Not good at dealing with pain and discomfort. I choose comfort every time. But I do know that when I've had the courage and the strength to face the pains in my life, the pressures of life, it hasn't always turned out the way I liked it, but it did something to me. I grew. I'm not the same person today that as I was because I've faced some issues in my life. I've gone through some tough spots. And running away is not the answer. Having it all fixed isn't always the answer. Even though I, I choose the fix every time. But I pray by the grace of God, I would also choose to have my character grown. Just a small example for, for me. The other day, um, when my computer uh, just quit, I... Um, 
I was really, pretty exasperated because I like to come and be prepared. I like to have a, a decent set of notes that I can read because this is really a challenge. Um, and I, uh, I got, one of my worries is that I, if I don't do well, then you're not going to like it. It's not gonna, I'm not going to get invited back again. I mean, that's just, but in reality, friends, whether you like it or whether I feel I did a good job or not, I found myself just being thrown back on God. I guess, as, you know, just saying to God, I guess, God, this is just the way it's going to be. And whether you like what's happening here, whether I feel good about what's happening here or not, is not the issue. I mean, those are issues, but that's not the most significant issue. The most significant issue for me is I've learned to just lean more on God right in this moment. And for you, I pray that everything goes well for you. I hope that things turn out well for you. But if you are anything like the rest of the people in the world, then you're going to have some pressures that aren't going to go your way. But what's going to happen here? An old friend of mine used to say, it's not what happens to you, Ray, it's what happens in you. Has character been developed? Oh, I pray that your needs are met and I pray that God comes through. But bottom line, has his work been accomplished in here? Because Paul said that the, the goal of all of this, these pressures, these tribulations, that we would develop character. Verse 5. And this expectation will not disappoint us, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Think about a... Uh, think about an ice cream bucket. Think about, a, think about a big ice cream bucket, those two and a half gallons. Now we're talking ice cream. Think about a 15-gallon bucket. Think about a 45-gallon barrel. These are all receptacles. You can have a thimbleful, or you can have 45 gallons. Well, you say, well, what are we pouring in that bucket? Before I tell you which one I want. Paul used the imagery here of the Holy Spirit being poured out into our lives. How much would you like to have poured out? of God's love in your life. My dad had an old, had a friend, he said, or he said to my dad, John, I don't need very much to drink, just about that much whiskey is all I need. In the bottom of my bathtub. <laughs> How much of the love of God can you handle? 
because Paul uses this example or uses this imagery of it being poured out. One of my biggest struggles as a follower of Jesus has been not feeling worthy, and I alluded to that earlier. And yeah, yeah, I know what the Bible says. Jesus loves me. I lo I, I've learned that song. You learned that song. Uh, we, we read those words in the Bible that God loves the whole world. But you know what? Something, something really uh, changed for me when, at one moment in my life is to realize that not only does God love me, he has to. That The Bible says, John says in his epistle, God is love, right? Well, you, can ar you can't argue with the Bible. God is love. But will you dare to believe that you are lovable? It's a huge difference, friend. Well, yeah, God has to love me because he loves everyone. That's true, but it's also true that God loves you because he finds you lovable. Can you get your head around? Can you, can you let that just soak into your, your being? It's not, not like that God is just putting up with you. No, the Bible says that before the foundations of the world, he chose you. <laughs> we can get into a theological argument about predestination, all that. But just, why can't you just take it? I was with a, some family members a couple weeks ago, and we were discussing, you know, arguing about some stuff. And I said to my brother, and I says, Paul, I can't get past this verse in the Bible where it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was actively, actively doing everything he could to make it possible for you and me to be in a right relationship with him. Nothing, nothing else has to be done. He, is, he was doing it before we were even here. Actively pursuing us. You want to read the rest of these verses here from verses uh, 6 through 10 or so. It talks about the fact that God loved us when we were strangers. God loved us. Jesus did went to the cross even when we were enemies. Sounds to me like God was really intentional right there. It didn't just happen. He planned it. He worked the plan for you and me. The last uh, point here in verse 11, we exalt in God. thinking about this as I was driving over here in the fog this morning. Um, I know something about myself. I'm easily distracted. 
in the past, I've enjoyed going to Boston Pizza on occasion, but I don't really like going there anymore because they have way too many TVs. And if I'm going to go, if I just want to go in and have something to eat, well, that's okay. But if I want to go and I want to talk with my grandkids, or if I'm going to have a serious conversation with my wife, if I go in there, I have to make sure I sit with the TV back there instead of there. Because I know what happens. We'll get into a conversation, and then, especially if it's a good game, I'm so easily distracted by what's going on there. Sisters and brothers, we are so easily distracted. God is so gracious and so kind. He's so worthy of all of our love and our adoration, our praise. But there are so many distractions. There's so many things to do, so many places to go, so much fun to be had. All of which might be fine and good. But if God is going to be the center of my attention, then I've got to put away some of the distractions. The result in God. We make God and his ways and his will and his plan and his purposes the center of what we're about. This is how the New Living Translation puts verse 11. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends of God. Are you a friend of God? He's a good friend. He's a really good friend. And I, in my heart of hearts, I want to be a really good friend of his. But my friendship, my ability to be a good friend doesn't change the fact that he's a really good friend all the time. I told some folks that I was teaching some years ago, I said, my goal in life is to be half as good a person as my dog thinks I am. My dog doesn't see my, uh, my motivations. He doesn't care about why I'm being kind to him. He just loves me. Even when I'm ignorant and unkind, he just thinks the best of me, and next time I come around, he, we're best buddies again. Oh, I'd like to be like that. Uh, I'd like to be that good. I'd like to be that good of a friend. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
and we exult, we rejoice in hope, in our pressures, because we know what they produce. We exult in God. Loving God, I thank you for these good friends at Lake Ridge Community Church. Thank you for this, these moments we've had together to just uh, sing your praises, lift up our hearts before you. Thank you for people who, uh, in need of prayer, have received uh, assurances that folks will pray for them. Thank you that you are the God that answers those prayers. Thank you that you receive these offerings of worship and this, these offerings of this devotional time. You bring it together in our lives to make us the people who can make a difference in our world. Lord, uh, our world needs hope. May we be peddlers of hope as we walk with our friends and neighbors. We face so many pressures. May we see that these pressures producing something in us as we learn to trust you. Above all else, Lord, may we see glory because we as your children walk before you our hearts turn towards you more often than not. Pray your blessing upon these friends. In the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Friends, go forth in peace. May you know the joy of following Jesus where he leads you this week.